In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Love for God is expressed, it's demonstrated in the keeping of his commandments. And the keeping of God's commandments uh, are the is the way in which God is loved. It's the sign that God is is truly loved. It's the mark of authentic uh, Christian belief. And it is the means by which our love for God is deepened. Uh, In our culture, perhaps, uh, at least in my opinion, love and commandments, the latter being bound up with duty and obligation, are reflexively regarded as mutually exclusive. Love is supposedly free and spontaneous and primarily affective, that is, having to do with the emotions. But Christian love, or as it's called uh, classically, charity, has little to do with emotion and is, on the contrary, rooted in the will. Love and commandments are bound up together, for we are commanded to love, and all of God's commandments are fulfilled in and by love. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, the commandment to love God and to love others, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So as we love God, as we are called to, in response to, of course, his loving us first, supremely in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, the result is that we do what the Lord commands us to do. And as we delight in the Lord himself, we delight in his law. We delight in his commandments. And by keeping his commandments, we will, as our Lord said, going back to the gospel, we will, quote, abide in his love. Thus, there's this this reciprocity, if you will, between loving God and keeping his commandments. The more we love him, and this is the logic of the great commandment, the more we will obey his commandments. In fact, Scripture teaches it's an impossibility to to love God and not keep his commandments. So the more we love him, the better we will obey him. And the more we obey him, the better we will love him. And as there is this uh, inextricable link between loving God and keeping his commandments... So is there between loving God and loving others. Others being in the context of John's gospel and in his first epistle, first and foremost, are brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus said in John 14, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he has commanded us to love one another in John 15 saying, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you would love one another 
as I have loved you. We can see just on the surface from the words of our Lord that it's not just a sort of general affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, when they're likable. It's familial. It's sacrificial. You cannot love God apart from loving his children. The two go hand in hand. And, and this is the argument of the first few verses of John chapter 5. John is, of course, saying, and this is a big theme in John, that, that one cannot love and know the Father and simultaneously reject God's Son, Jesus. But he extends that principle to include the adopted sons and daughters of God. If you love the Father, you'll love His Son. And you'll love His children who are, whom are adopted by Him by grace. St. Augustine summarizes uh, the argument this way. He says, to love the children of God is to love the Son of God. To love the Son of God is to love the Father. Nobody can love the Father without loving the Son. And anyone who loves the Son will love the other children as well. To love God is to keep his commandments. And God has commanded us to love him with all that we are and to love others, particularly the, the brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ, in a manner consonant with the love displayed as Calvary. Again, love one another as I have loved you. And these commandments, as John tells us, are not burdensome. In the Gospels, our Lord says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The gifts, the commandments of God, rather, are delight. They're a gift. And they are also a means to deeper union and love with God. Now, I'll speak for myself, but I have an inkling that uh, in this day and age, when we hear the word commandments, we immediately think of rules and rules alone, do's and don'ts. And of course, the commandments of God include that. The Christian life does include rules, even in the New Testament. Paul, in his letters, he's writing, he's saying, you guys are doing this, stop doing that, you need to start doing that. He's instructing them how to live the life in Christ. But we shouldn't think that that's all the commandments of God are. It's do's and don'ts. The Christian life includes ethics, but ethics is not its essence. Its essence is participation in and union with God. So we need to expand what we think of commandments. When we hear the commandments of God, we should think not only of ethics, but also of worship, of prayer, of service to others, of the sacraments. What did our Lord say in the institution of the Holy Eucharist? Do this in remembrance of me. And this commandment was a gift. It was, it was a call for us to participate in the life of Christ. It was a call to the, the source and summit of the Christian life. And this is far 
from burdensome. In fact, keeping the commandments of God takes away our burden. Obedience to the commandments of God is means to a deeper union with him. Take, to, uh, take uh, today's psalm, for example, in which we are commanded, first verse, to sing to the Lord. That's a commandment. Well, what happens in good biblical singing, which if you sing the psalms, you'll, it, you can, don't have to worry about whether it's biblical or not because it's literally in the Bible. But I'm thinking of the great... Uh, hymn tradition, but in good biblical singing, inevitably what you do is that we are, we are recounting God's saving acts. We're recounting the mighty and loving deeds of God. And by meditating upon who God is and what he's done, love for God and others is cultivated. And in this, the relationship between the love of God and the keeping of his commandments is made clear. For by keeping God's commandments, in the case of Psalm 98, the commandment to sing, we recount the mighty deeds of our loving God. Moreover, we encounter in singing, that is, uh, by keeping the commandment to sing, we encounter the God who is love, for God inhabits the praises of his people. And thereby, by encountering the living and loving God, and, his, and by recounting again his mighty deeds, love wells up in us. So again, there is seen this reciprocity between love and obedience. Far from being mutually exclusive, the two go hand in hand. Because as we come to love God more and more, we will be all the more zealous to keep his commands, for we will want to please him. We will delight in keeping his commandments. Because when we, when we love the other, we delight in their delight. Commandments of God are not burdensome. He's calling us to. He's exhorting us to do the things which, of course, will enable rather than restrict human flourishing. But, but he's calling us to do the things that will bring us into deeper union with himself. He's calling us to come and, and, and to participate in the gifts which he has given us. He's calling us to do those things wherein we will encounter him. For God not only inhabits the praises of his people, but he inhabits the obedience of his people. His presence is known in the faithful obedience of his children. Again, what did our Lord say in today's gospel? If you keep my commandments, you will get a gold star. No, that's not what he says. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide. In my love. God is love. And he loved us first. And his love enables us to love him back. And the way in which we love him, or a way in which we love him, 
is by obeying his commandments. And again, his commandments are not burdensome. Rather, they are gifts which enable human flourishing. And human flourishing is not hedonism. Human flourishing is to know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if we love God, we will love others, especially the household of faith. And we will love them for God's sake. We will love them willing their ultimate good, which is to know and love God themselves. And we will love them for what they are, or perhaps what they could be in Christ. We will love them as creatures made in God's image. We will love them as ones for whom Christ died. So brothers and sisters, let us behold the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord who loved us and gave himself for us, dying on the cross and rising victorious from the grave so that we could abide in his love by keeping his commandments to love God and love one another. Amen.